0: Hey, Keith and I are claiming that marketing is back. Why not? It's too good for the feature film, it's too good for our hearts, and it's too good for the checkbooks for the studios. So let's talk this week about marketing and the opportunities to break into Hollywood on this episode of Hollywood Breaks. Hey, thanks for covering for me last week. I saw the episode with you and Robin. Looks like you guys have way too much time while I'm gone. I'm just saying that right now.
1: No, because we're just so damn intelligent and smart and knowledgeable. That's just, there's just only so much. And there's only so much time in the day in an episode, Tim. So, you know.
0: You know, that our audience actually does get some pretty good insight of just what it's like to be on The Insiders here with you and Robin. I know. The kind of the right? scenes
1: of a studio, yeah. They got a real taste of our regular discussions back in the day when we were both uh, at formerly known, the place formerly known as 20th Century Fox, now known as 20th Century Studios, which I refuse to use. But what are you going to do? It's just so funny, like, you know, we
0: consume... Content or movies, as they used to be called. We yeah, consume content, the content. <laughs> um, we consume the marketing pieces of it. We're almost fans of the marketing pieces, but to know that there's actually a team of people separate from the filmmakers making mm-hmm. those, promoting those, strategizing, yeah. and getting it out. And sometimes, even at the, um, you know, battling the filmmakers, like, yes. you know, at, at their own dismay or doing certain things it's yes
1: interesting. it's it it, it it is i mean uh, for me just sort of in when i started my career I w- it was sort of i was only like oh producer actor writer director and then i eventually discovered sort of the studio development team which is where i started my career and then i segued into marketing and then you see the immense amount of p- blood sweat and tears that goes into promoting a film and strategy and you're right the the inevitable battles with talent Filmmakers,
0: yeah, it's a totally different challenge. I mean, I think about how how many different films a trailer house makes, or a or a marketing department makes. You know, you're releasing maybe two, three films a month. I don't know what it is per team. Are you guys working on a film for <laughs> six or eight months to be yeah. promotions, be working on them and releasing them frequently? Yeah, I right? mean,
1: you really don't get much of a break. You get you get you get sort of the Monday, the post Monday. Either malaise or celebration, depending on how the movie does the opening weekend. And then you're right onto your next picture because it's just like, it's just nonstop. What I didn't, what I did miss was sort of during the hall, like for in development, like the holiday time, November, December is like really quiet. You're going to all the holiday parties because everyone's pretty much burned through the development budget for the year. Right. Uh, so you're pretty much done. You can work on a little bit on scripts here and there, but you're pretty much done. So it's really kind of, lax. And then the two weeks you get off the end of the year, you're not really working. However, in marketing, the calendar never stops. So it's yeah. like, it's just constant. So even when, you know, for, for whatever reason, I always seem to end up on the movies that were coming out right sure. after
0: Christmas releases, post-Christmas pushes. <laughs> yeah. So
1: I was always working through the holidays um, because you just never get a break. It's just nonstop. You just, you're constantly approving spots. You've got something that's gotta run over the holidays. Cause the other thing is during the holidays, everyone's watching TV or yeah, their eye- their their eyeballs are on screens. So you have to push out as much marketing material as you can in that particular. Right. They have time. tons of
0: money and lots of free time. That's when you want to get them yeah, in the theaters. that's
1: when you really want to get them in the theater. So and family time that they and have family time. Right. Yeah, right. Uh so yeah, I mean, it, it is a fascinating process. And I'm happy that we're able to provide some uh some view of what it's like in the day-to-day for those marketing folks on the front line. It's funny
0: because like you have to be, you know, maybe still true, but back in the day, you had to be a true workaholic to keep up with the competitive yes. nature of the industry. And yes. when you're in it, you don't really feel like you're investing your entire life in, in, in the picture because you're doing or the, in the work because you're doing what you love. Mm-hmm. So that's how you kind of get away
1: with it. Yeah. It wears on you at some, at a certain point. But it does, it starts, doesn't it? It starts yeah. to wear on you. Yeah. Because it is nonstop. Um, it is pretty seven, almost seven days a week. And especially now with the, you know, the use of constant access to email, you know, it's, it is nonstop. I mean, I, I went in several weekends to work on material because we had a meeting on Monday and, in most creative businesses, particularly on the agency side, if you work late one night, you you're allowed to come in late the next day. You're not for, unless you have a meeting but we always had to be in the next day because we were presenting to the chairman and the chairman's in the office at nine o'clock every morning. And he wants to see materials. Um, and we don't have the luxury of staying coming in late. We have to be there early. Uh, the worst was on Tuesday nights, the chairman would walk into, um, my boss's boss's office and want to see everything. So we'd have to show him everything. And then, they want to make all make changes before the meeting the next morning at 10, 1030, I think is when it was. Of course. And so we were up late Tuesday night, trying to get everything and make all the changes. And it was like a scramble to get everything together. And we were, I was running things down to the meeting and yeah, it's just nonstop. I mean, it, and it is fun. You love it. But then at a certain point, it just starts to wear on you. And I think what the big, what sort of really wore on me, was sort of the transition in terms of from the, the the ability to run a spot on friends and guarantee that you're going to get 30 million eyeballs and then tracking the next week is going to uptick 10 points whereas that that is no no longer the case you don't have that That's sort it. of yeah. show that you can bid a spot on like an american idol or a friends where there's just it's appointment viewing everyone's going to watch it so you know if you get your spot on there it's going to help the film we don't have those options anymore it just gets more and more difficult And as marketing became more and more a part of the equation, we were looked upon to help save the movie. And that's when it really started to get difficult. We were being asked to basically tell a story for the film to make it a movie that was able to be opened that wasn't in the actual movie. So we were, we were being asked to, you know, basically you know, twist ourselves in a million different directions. And there are ways to do that, whether it being using VO or you cheat a scene to kind of make it seem like there's something, a part of the movie that maybe necessarily isn't a huge part of the movie. Graphics, yeah. Graphics, there's a ways around it, but it just, it was just constant. It was every single movie. It was like the same. We were being asked to save production from themselves. Now, that's not to say that, production sometimes would deliver a great movie and they're like, okay, but that still doesn't make your marketing challenge any easier. I mean, because the movie is good, it almost makes it harder because the expectation is if the movie's great, then you have to open it. And if you don't open it, there's even more of a challenge.
0: That's the problem I love to solve is like the, the puzzle pieces of the storyline in two minutes, a storyline in 30 seconds that, that takes it 90 minutes to two hours in yep. future film length. And you have to also get the promotional elements out there. Who are the actors? Mm. Who are the who's the director? What are the key elements? So all of that combined in a 30 second piece with sound and graphics and voiceover and, and text and and of course yep. the film and the edit. It was um, Well,
1: and you're also dealing with an unfinished film. Like that's the other reality that a lot oh, of people yeah. don't realize. Yeah, like making, when we, sometimes
0: when, you made up your own shots just to yeah,
1: do it to create. Especially texture. with the X-Men films and complicated visual effects like We would have to like get our trailers to visual effects weeks in advance before the shots were, and they would send us breakdowns of whether or not what was available, what we could and couldn't get. If we could get it, then we'd have to accelerate the shot and that would come out of our budget. So there was a lot, I mean, there really are their own little movies, but at the same time. We're, we're, we're operating a much different schedule than the actual film is. So yeah, it's like, sure. we, you know, especially with the big movies, you got to plant your flag early. You got to get a trailer out or a teaser. You know, we're trying to get out to com, you know, comic-con and all the big, you know, trade shows that are very important to our audiences trying to get material done in time. And it's just, it's not always done. And, you know, you're dealing with an unfinished film. So there are a lot of hoops and um, hurdles you have to jump over. Well, you kind of get to get the thing out the door
0: or out, you know, those who are not familiar with this can kind of get this sense of why it sounds like war stories, because there are yeah. deliverables of major films with a lot of politics and personalities uh, involved egos that you are working towards extreme deadlines and, yes. uh, you know, element flaws everywhere in the process. And to, to be honest, like sometimes the studio's success on the line. Yeah. You know, the studio risking a lot into a certain film. Yeah. And it could make or break a moment for a studio, major investor um, issues and what have you. So there's so much tied up in it. It's the excitement of it, it's the adrenaline rush that you get
1: when you're part of it. I mean, I was fortunate because of Fox, you know, there were people that had been there for a long time. And, we were all family and we had all kind of a very dysfunctional family. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> we, we, we all kind of, were in the trenches together and it was always very sort of like when, when a movie worked and we all like gave our all for it, it was always the, the Monday was always just sort of a great celebration and everyone could breathe easy and, you know, all, you know, high-fiving, but it was like, and then when you look back on it, you're like, wow, that was so great that that worked um and what an experience it was stressful as hell going through it um but you know you got the reward on the other end now the movies that don't work that then that really weighs on you and you're right sometimes the studio is hanging the balance or or because you know you've had a string of flops if you don't get a one that opens then your bosses your bosses could lose their job which means puts your job on the line so I mean there's a lot of stress and you know walking a tightrope which does makes the industry not for the faint at heart, for sure.
0: You know, that's where the moments where the actors in the film or the director of the film or the producer of the film has some character flaw that becomes public yeah. right <laughs> before the film is released <laughs> or the promotion-based. Because yes. you have the entire production who's invested, honestly, years of their life trying to get it there. From, yeah. from Starting with the writer and the director and the visionaries to the people who spent hours and hours on set making yeah. it post, getting it done. So that hundreds and hundreds of names. You look at end crawl, in the end crawl. All those people are affected by that.
1: All those end credits. Yeah, all those people are affected. But then there are
0: many, many names that aren't involved from the investors, the studio at play, the marketing team and what have you. And then right. one uh, PR flaw, and it's, it's a bummer. It's, kind yeah. of, it's really where you can appreciate, uh, let's see, who's, a, who's kind of a good person? Maybe, um, maybe Dwayne Johnson. is Somebody where you can mm. see he invests or Hugh Jackman's. Hugh Jackman, Jackman's. Perfect, yeah. Someone yeah. invests the time and the effort into making it, supporting it in promotion, supporting mm-hmm. it as a, as a strong character and personality. It's a person that you're happy to be investing in. And he has a draw. Yeah. He has amazing talent in many different areas. A huge draw. And it's, it's awesome when those movie stars really kind of come into play and, and build it up, right? Yeah. So they're, the people that, get, that have the credit honestly get the credit uh, or deserve the credit so often because it takes a lot of
1: time. yeah, it does i mean, and and you know oftentimes when we really get into the meat of the marketing for the film, the actor has gone off to start another picture, so it's very much like we're pulling them away from that. I mean, I've recorded actors in closets because they've been on set at another film and they don't have time, but they'll you know they'll they'll walk in with their iPhone and record a couple lines that we might need for a spot and you know, that kind of dedication you don't always get. I mean, he, people like Hugh Jackman and even Tom Cruise, even though Tom Cruise is heavily involved in marketing and it can get a little like in your face, but he will work. He's a workhorse and he will do whatever he needs to be done to make the movie a hit. And Hugh Jackman's the same way you know, always on it, you know, always willing to hear a pitch. You might not always agree with it and may not agree to do it, but he'll at least hear the idea. And yeah you know, he'll even say like, this is a great idea, but what if we tried it this way? Like very involved in the process, which is what you want. You don't always want talent. Who's just like sitting back on another film and doesn't really care. And sometimes that happens because they've moved on. They didn't have a great experience on the movie. They don't believe in the movie. They don't think it's a great movie. And they're like, I don't care about this anymore, but you never ran into that with people like Hugh Jackman. He was always dedicated to the movie, regardless of whether or not, he felt it was a great movie or not, he was committed to helping and it was a team effort. It was a team effort and you don't always get that. It's the, bi- it's the true business behind the
0: show business idea. Like yes. You actually, you know, there's a
1: lot from beginning to end that you're committing to. Right.
0: And, right, right. um, you know, I, to Hugh Jackman, Jackman, all those uh, YouTube releases of the making of the greatest showman. And you can see that he was yeah. even part of the pitch process and showing mm-hmm. up to certain events to talk to investors and like he's investing in it. Uh, along with the other creators
1: yeah he, he was heavily i mean i i that came out after i'd left but i was there sort of in the interim when they were do, sort of going through the pre-pro process and he was very heavily involved in sort of like making sure that the movie, he really believed in the movie and he wanted to make sure it got off the ground it was pushed a few times the start date so he really wanted to make sure that it actually got made and you know that when you get a star that invested it does it can at times be a hindrance but in that particular case i think it was a big help
0: yeah, the, the slowdown that's happening now, you know, the studios are doing cutbacks, all the budgets yeah. that are being dropped, um, even the, the wannabe shift to the OTT platforms that, you know, maybe now the buzz is over and Wall Street is saying, okay, what did we spend all that money on? And <laughs> when did we finally get our money back? <laughs> um, is yeah. just you know the infinite growth, the possibility of infinite growth has become very finite, yep. right? We're maxed out on who's going to pay the monthly subscriptions for these, these platforms and so on. That um, you know the studios have to reinvest and figure out where th- their base is, yeah, uh, base of talent, base of content, even you know base of audience and how do you hit there? Um, and I think there's been some positive critique out there recently saying, well. Maybe it is too much. I mean, just the constant flow of infinite titles um, on an OT platform that an algorithm is picking for us more than the humans are picking or word of mouth or pop culture can put out there. Um, I think it's interesting. You know, one thing I'm thinking about is like um, like how Amazon, uh, you're the one that told me this rumor, but how Amazon is thinking about buying theaters Mm -hmm. and a theatrical release creates a pop culture moment. Because yep. it's a finite amount of time, a few weeks or maybe a couple months, that mm-hmm. everyone could go and have a shared experience. Yep. And you have to go to the theater, have that shared experience on an OTT platform. If it's always going to sit there, I can watch it anytime I want to. That pop doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And therefore, that big push or fandom doesn't really grab hold and, and raise the film to the top. Yep. And I'll bet you these content makers like Amazon apple and and others that are considering these theatrical moves are recognizing that and saying no let's let's go back and invest in some core features that we know that will get us the money and let's recognize how we get people in the seats to watch these features
1: yeah i mean i think a big part of this is and as you mentioned yes amazon has according to some blurbs on the internet. There, there are talks that Amazon is thinking about acquiring some 600 beers from AMC. I mean, this is all based on anonymous sourcing, so I don't know how real it is. But that's on top of Amazon committing almost a billion dollars to theatrical releases. And Apple recently announced the same. They're going to invest a ton of money in theatrical releases. And I think you're right. I think they're all realizing that as far as raising awareness for a title and for a film there's nothing better than theatrical. The other thing is you also put behind a movie like that, the, the marketing push that goes into it. And that is the one thing that I don't think a lot of people appreciate about the, the, the soldiers and troops that work in the studio marketing departments, that that there's no industry better at making uh, a cultural event uh, than studio marketing. I mean, just the way that they're able to launch, movies um from out of a lot of times out of nowhere um and make people aware of it uh i mean the reality is that fomo is still real fear of missing out for those of you who don't know the the acronym there um and it's still real and you're not going to get that unless it's at a theater because then people are gonna be oh i gotta go see this movie not oh i gotta go home oh it's all like you said it's always going to be there so there's never a draw like oh i will have to watch it now it's going to be there so i can watch it when it event you know when i whenever i have the time now there's also the flip side of that where you know theatrical it's in theat in theaters for what six three months and most people say "Ah, i can wait till it comes on streaming it's going to be on streaming in a matter of weeks but you're still not going to get the awareness that you're going to get if you put it into a theater and the theatrical experience is as you said a communal experience and it's Mm -hmm. not something i think we as a human race are wired to be together with other humans. Um, and we can see over the you know recent reports of loneliness and depression and all the myriad of horrible news that we've heard is driven a lot by the fact that people are lonely and sitting at home on their phones and not experiencing those communal moments. So right and you're sharing you're only sharing
0: your watching stories, whatever with other right, you know somewhere on a website mostly if you hated it you put it out there not necessarily if you right. love it or promote it that way
1: and this is this is a- a- answer, you know this is not anecdotal evidence but you know i the one thing that really sort of brought home the theatrical experience for me was when i first saw borat i saw it in a theater with oh, a crowd yeah, right. and i've never laughed harder in my life you go to a, watch it by yourself you don't laugh nearly as much yeah it's that it's especially like horror movies are even scarier when um you're watching in a group versus by yourself i mean it there there's just myriad of examples of of movies like that where the communal experience is definitely helpful And, and it also leads people to become your you know your evangelist your film evangelist like they leave the film and if they think it's great they're going to go on the Twitter, on Twitter and social media, and talk about how great it is. Now, sometimes that can be a detriment because they'll come out and say this movie's terrible. Don't waste your time, and that can't happen. It you know it does happen. So, Always, yeah. But the reality is that I think the theatrical experience is definitely the best way to get the word out, and I think what's happening is the streamers are starting to realize that. And a lot of the studios are, real, well, not so much studios, because we don't hear a lot of the traditional studios announcing a billion-dollar investment in theatrical. But I think what the streamers are realizing is that it can be part of the whole you know, lifespan of a film.
0: And almost from our first episode, we've been calling this out, the whole yeah. a drop of the Paramount decree. Clearly, yeah. there, why would you even um, push that? have your lobbyists push that through Congress unless yeah. you kn- knew there were some long-term need? and i've been saying i think that's that the the content makers the ott platforms and such have worked out deals to have the theaters become hurt go into bankruptcy drop their price so that now that they can yeah. steal this moment and step into it and start acquiring that real estate and 600 theaters by the way isn't just 600 ticket box offices it's 600 plots of land that's yeah. billions and billions of dollars in assets that a corporation own and control and that asset comes at anchor for other shops, stores, and malls to be built around it. There's a lot Boy. of play here. If you're an Amazon yeah. in a retail space to draw mm-hmm. and create an anchor for it, you can see how there are kind of corporate planning around this big move. But interesting is, is that they're using content to get there. Like they're using yeah. content as a platform to draw an audience, to get those eyeballs, to get the people to show up and then make economic changes and economic boosts, clearly for their own benefit, but that's how it works. That's how it's always worked, right? Yeah, um, city centers need need theaters and um, when you create that draw and be, ability to get people to come out you have people walking around buying ice cream and other things in the, in the mall.
1: Yeah, I mean well you can also see Amazon turning the theaters into like an Amazon experience like you can order stuff off Prime or God knows how, how myriad of different ways that they'll incorporate overall what you get with the Amazon brand into a theater much like Disney does with their theater down in Hollywood and I mean, you can totally see it becoming an all-encompassing experience, and I mean that—that that is the added benefit—is that you know it's—it's it's okay. just another way to again create revenue towards the lifespan of the film from the minute it's done until you know it ends up on on the platform.
0: So then, the good news is, marketing will come back. Right now, you're yeah, gonna have these events and, and this blend of just like marketing departments that are producing JPEGs seven a week in perpetuity without any real release date or big hit you know cammy's kind of mentioned that and it's awesome to hear cammy's stories currently about how some of the work that um, some of the films that she's worked on have had these little boost moments but um even oscar award-winning films she's worked on at, um, yeah. at apple missed that boost it was later on that they that they caught onto it and were able to kind of push that
1: yeah i mean i think there's also, for if you're, if you are of creative mindset, which obviously most people in the industry are, the, the idea of crafting a campaign versus just throwing up a tile and a trailer and then, okay, on to the next versus working on a campaign from the teaser to the trailers to digital to, you know, the one sheet in theater, you know, to some extent TV spots, but not as much as it used to. I mean, just the thrill of that aspect of it, you, you can't deny it. And it also, as I said, it is, the industry is one of the best at sort of creating these cultural moments that people feel like they have to be a part of. And if the this recommitment to theaters means that there's going to be more jobs for people in marketing, that'd be awesome. I mean, that's obviously a, a huge boon for the business as a whole, because as we all know, that business is sort of in a moment where... It's in a transitional moment where we don't know where it's going to go, um, and you know you've got a lot of layoffs happening. And you know, most recently with Disney and Netflix announced the cut of two um, long-term execs yesterday. But it's still it's still the reality that marketing couldn't be a great resource to sort of helping these films along and also helping uh, the corporate parents. With their bottom lines. So of now that we've transitioned from sub, sub, subs to where's the money, baby, now we can start sort of laying out a longer term lifespan for some of these movies that enable the companies to to make some additional revenue and start using streaming as a, a mode to make money, not the only way to make money.
0: So we're basically claiming here because we like to make long term futuristic claims.
1: Yes, that that's what we do here. The
0: need for marketing
1: has to come back.
0: The, oh, absolutely. Yes. And we're going to say there's going to be a new generation of people that do it, right? The older yes. generation, the way that was once done, you know, it, it's had its season. And now that it's been a few years that studios have really invested in that kind mm-hmm. of marketing and marketing team, mm-hmm. this evolution that's going to take place here is going to take on kind of new talent and new fields of marketing. Um, guarantee you like the theatrical releases are still going to be promoted in social platforms, Mm. but to gain eyeballs or to create pop culture moments or to get back to some live events that tie into um, feature film releases or um, big content releases, we call them tentpole events. (laughs) To go back to those tentpole events are going to be kind of a a revival of that kind of those kind of moments are, are going to become necessary to meet this new strategy. I'm actually very excited about it. I think that's really great because there is something amazing about, as you're saying, the marketing release part of it is part of the cultural experience of the whole future film. And to have that moment and that shared experience is going to be awesome.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think we went through somewhat of a a transitional phase when TV started to die. Like I, I referenced earlier, sort of the friends moment where you could put a spot, a TV commercial on friends guarantee a 30 million million viewing audience, and then you're tracking jumps 10 points the next day or the next week, those moments are gone. So the investment sort of in a TV spot and a hundred, you know, there were campaigns I worked on when I first started where we would cut upwards of 120 TV spots. Now we wouldn't run them all, but you were just constantly cutting and cutting and cutting because you just wanted to bombard the audience with sort of the idea that this movie is coming Here's what it's about. And you sort of had occasionally, excuse me, pre-release messaging, you know, week of release messaging and post post open messaging. You know, obviously with the transition of audiences away from linear TV and sort of appointment viewing that has obviously shifted slightly. And now it's more, there's more of a social component. Um, Trailers and teasers are still a big part of it, but there's more involved. Like it's more about sort of, Doing big moments like you know going to South by Southwest or premiering at Cannes or doing a big to do at uh, CinemaCon—all these aspects that sort of were sort of afterthoughts when I you know because right. it was always about TV campaign has now shifted, and you know I think we're going through another transitional moment. I, I think what we see a lot is that there's a, there's an overcorrection when streaming became like the the lifeblood. It was like okay, we got to kill them with quantity. Now we're realizing, okay, that doesn't necessarily work because we have to we ultimately have to make money in the back end. So then now we're sort of like, okay, let's focus more on quality. Totally. Not necessarily so much on the quantity. But then also this idea that maybe there's a balance that can be had. It's not just all theatrical and no streaming. It shifted to streaming, no theatrical. And now you can kind of see it's sort of coming, coming back to the balance. And I think you're right. I think a lot of executives are realizing. And marketing plays a big part in this. You're not gonna be over be able to overcome the what-to-watch problem that you and I constantly talk about just by throwing so much content at people that eventually they'll just discover it. You
0: have you to use the, the problem by just getting yes. more and more content. Yeah. Right,
1: exactly. So the yeah. way to solve that is to use marketing. Now, a market has marketing budgets have gone up. It's more difficult, but it forces us as, a creative, as an industry to get more creative in terms of how we're going to reach the audience. What are the best ways to create those moments, those cultural touch points that will bring awareness to the audience and you know, help to ensure that your movie you know, is top of mind come Friday night? And let's say this.
0: I'm looking forward to the movie premieres once again, too. Those
1: big yeah, red true. carpet <laughs>
0: moments are just as much fun as anything else. It is well, yeah. I mean, worth Mirati the effort is... of working on a film to go to a premiere. The catering's yeah. awesome. The people look beautiful. There's no greater yeah. excitement than all the people that worked on it to see their work. Even if the film's not the greatest film, there's such a ball of energy that night to finally well, do it's the funny, Tim. You cast know, cast and crew screening and have everyone in together. still have
1: them. sort of that childlike wonderment at premieres. I kind of got a little bit more of a cynical edge to them because I went oh, because to so many. Because you had to work
0: at them, I was. Yeah, I had to work at, at them. It, was, <laughs> it wasn't
1: always part. the most enjoyable experience. Like, I mean, the one I will say that was phenomenal was the Snakes on a Plane because that was just that was an amazing premiere and being able to work on that from the minute it was the the basically the pitch was bought to the minute the film was done and to go to that premiere, even though the movie didn't necessarily open to what we hoped the premiere was still awesome. Yeah. But aside yeah. from that, you're right. I mean, those moments are big. Um, but unfortunately it's just reality- a Hollywood
0: moment. You have to be in Hollywood, part of the team to get to go to that moment. You've earned. Yeah, but they don't get us. Yeah. I, you awesome. know,
1: it's the, unfortunately the reality is that when marketing budgets are cut, the premieres usually the first one to go. Um, I mean, they'll do what's called a screening which is basically just, you know, you invite, you know, like some cast people, and crew. you have a red carpet, yeah. cast and crew. Um, but they just don't do them as much as they have. But the the reality is that, as I mentioned earlier, sort of the big premieres at events, like, for example, Dungeons and Dragons, Den of Thieves, speaking of Cammie, um, is opening this weekend. And they went out big with a South by South, the premiere at South by Southwest, That's to cool. sort of get that, press that doesn't you know because you their premieres pretty much once a week in hollywood right they're not always going to get big press but if you do a big premiere to like a south by southwest that's going to guarantee you more press than if you just do a typical premiere at you know the man chinese in hollywood so um well
0: kudos on that too by the way that trailer makes me want to go watch the film so yeah i mean it's got great
1: It's got got great reviews. It looks like a fun movie. They're definitely playing into the the movie, and they're not. What I like what they're doing is they're trying to make it more general audience, making people feel like you don't have to play the game to enjoy this. This is a fun fantasy movie. You laugh at the trailer. They're actually hitting punchlines in that two minute piece. It's really really yeah. So knock on wood. Best of luck, Cammy. Hopefully it opens. All right, let's
0: make our claim right now. Marketing is back. Premieres are back. Red carpets are back, and we want to go to them. So let's uh, let's get the team together and say, "Hey, if we're going to have an economic downturn, this is the moment to lean in, to buy in, and build this thing up again." Because it's way too much fun to skip that part of Hollywood, yeah. And let the these rub- algorithms and tech companies take over, yeah. And the only- why the hell not? We got to get viewers <laughs> in, the, in the seats. Might as well enjoy ourselves while we do it, right?
1: I will say this: the only rub in this whole plan of yours, Tim, is the potential of a WGA strike.
0: That happens. We'll talk about that next week. We'll talk about
1: that next week. (laughs) That's that's next week's problem. (laughs) Right. Let's just
0: recognize the opportunity. It might take a couple of years for it to work out. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. All right, my friend. It's good to see you. Good to see you too, Tim. And thanks again for covering me last week. I had a good time in Barcelona, but you guys had just as much fun, I can tell by. Yes,
1: we did. We did. We had more fun. (laughs) All right, see you there. (laughs) I'll see you next week.